0: I was, uh, not last week, but the week before, I had a chance to go to Orlando and participate in a conference there for worship leaders across the United States, um, not because I can sing, by the way, but I went there to learn and to and to grow, and I was blown away Um Sometimes I would just stop singing because everyone around me could sing. Uh, And they were very, very good. But one of my big takeaways from that was these were those who led worship, those who did the workshops. They're the premier worship leaders across the United States. And every time I sat there, I thought, God, We are so blessed at Northside, and I shared with a couple of them last week, or three of them last week. Um, Guys, the hearts up here, the gifts up here, we are blessed. (laughs) We are blessed, and uh, I want to thank those guys, and most of all for their heart, their sacrifice, and the willingness to use their gifts to glorify God in this place and take us to the point where we can receive God's word every single week. Be patient with me this morning. I'm dealing with sinus things. If you get one of those sinus, uh, you feel like you're in a bucket and everybody else is on the outside, that helps some. Now I can hear, Uh, so hopefully I'll come across well. Next week, next Sunday is our all church cookout. Anybody excited? All right, our master chef Steve will be grilling brats and hot dogs outside. He'll have those ready right after service. All you have to do is bring a side dish, a picnic side dish, or (coughs) you know, a dessert or a few desserts, and uh, we'll have everything else here for you. Uh, it'll be immediately after service, and uh, we'll just share in a meal together and conversation together. Small groups are kicking back up. You heard us talk about that. Medina Midweek in this room starts this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, I'll be leading that. We'll be finishing the book of James Uh, It's exciting to go through the book of James, and we'll be wrapping up uh, the book of James during that time, so I invite you to be part of that. We live in a world that wants knowledge, but not always wisdom. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, we can learn knowledge, but we've got to put it into practice for it to become wisdom. Knowledge is learned. Wisdom is lived. Say it with me. Knowledge is learned. I love what preacher Charles Spurgeon said all the way back in the 1800s. He says, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. Let me put it another way. If you want to have knowledge, go to Siri. If you want wisdom, go to God. If you want to have knowledge, go to Siri. If you want to have wisdom, go to God. All that is said because of what the Bible says in James 1.5. James says, if any of you lack wisdom you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, Finding fault, and it will be given to you. No misunderstand me, knowledge is important. Pursuing knowledge is important, but at the same time, we have to pursue God's wisdom in the midst of it. And in a world that wants to choose its own way, make its own rules, and go in its own direction, the Bible holds an alternative that cannot be googled it cannot be asked of siri we're starting a three-week series on wisdom and today we're talking about priorities that will determine our path and it's true for every believer and every non-believer alike what you put first in your life will determine your path in life every single time if i say i want to get in shape i want to be healthy, well, then I've got to in my mind say, okay, I want to eat wise, I want to exercise, I don't want to go back for dessert. I want to make sure I make the right choices in order to go down that path. If you say, I want to be family oriented, that's my goal. I want to be family oriented. Well, to be family oriented means you're going to have to say no to some things, other choices, and say yes to time With your family. When my kids got to be elementary age, I ended up just about dropping everything else in my life that I did, my hobby-wise, so that I could invest in them and spend time with them. There's choices that have to be made in order to make your family a priority. Craig Groeschel says, if you don't want your family to turn out like every other family, then you will need to raise your children differently than everyone else. And man, is that true today. Your priorities will always dictate your long-term path. Always. So what are your priorities? Jesus tells us as believers, our highest priority is to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. And then all these things will be added to us. Not necessarily extravagant things, but things that are necessary for us to live in this life. Anybody ever read Alice in Wonderland? Anybody? Anybody ever seen a cartoon? <laughs> Everybody know what Alice in Wonderland is? All right. You remember enough of the story to remember this, where Alice comes to a fork in the road. And she looks down one way and she looks down the other way and she can't decide which way to go. And right at the fork of the road sits who? No, not a rabbit. Larry, did you say rabbit? Wow. (laughs) That's hilarious. No, Cheshire the cat, remember? The cat. And Alice looks at him. And she says, well, which road should I take? And he says, well, which way do you want to go? Alice says, I'm not really sure. To which the cat wisely responds, if you don't know where you're going, then one road is just as good as the next. If you don't know where you're going, then one road is just as good as the next. When you and I seek first the kingdom of God, he will put us on a narrow path. That path will not be the direction that the rest of the world goes. That path, in fact, is a little more difficult than the way the world goes. But that path, that narrow path, leads to eternal life. And wisdom is knowing you're heading in the right direction and why. And why. We'll be able, like King David in Psalm 17, 5, to say, my steps have held to your path; My feet have not stumbled. And that comes when we choose wisdom in God's way. Once we'll to look at Matthew chapter 6 this morning, if you have your Bible, you can open up there, your Bible app, or you can follow on the screen. We're going to go right smack in the middle of Jesus' preaching, the Sermon on the Mount. And he's talking about priorities. Verse 24 of Matthew 26, Matthew writes this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And he's talking about more than just financial things here. He's talking about priorities that we may place in life above his kingdom. His godly perfect wisdom cannot you cannot gain that and serve two masters at the same time trying to pursue the world's priorities trying to pursue God's path it doesn't work in fact it's exhausting it's frustrating and it's impossible he goes on to talk about what happens to us when we don't have the right priorities now in a nutshell this entire message is in this sentence the priorities that you choose will determine the path that you follow. Read that with me. The priorities you choose determine the path that you follow. And he's going to give us three reminders straight from our text, Matthew, is. Here's the first one. Very easy today. God sees you. Say this with me. God sees me. Oftentimes we go through life and we don't realize God sees us. Everywhere we are, everything we do, everything that comes in our path, God sees. God sees. Verse 25, Matthew says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It is is not life, more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you add, can any, of, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to their life? The answer is No. Someone once said, worry is like a rocking chair. It's a whole lot of activity and motion, but you're not going very far. Right? But we worry about everything. We worry about political problems. We worry about not understanding technology. We worry about our finances. All these different worries in our life. Anybody worrying about something right now? Honest. Yeah, about 85% of you here. Worry's not new. It's not a modern problem. Worry's not an American problem. If we're really honest, and I'm looking, speaking to me, worry's a spiritual problem. And when we come to know it as a spiritual problem, and the fact that we're not trusting what God says, then everything changes. Jesus says, do not worry. Because when you're on the path of worry, you're choosing the priorities of this world. And Jesus reminded the people then and you and I today, you don't have to walk on that path. We can be different. We can take a higher road. We can prioritize him and trust him. Matthew 6 says, God sees the birds of the air and he takes care of them with food and covering. And he asks a simple question. Are you not more valuable than they are? Think about it. Don't you think God cares about you more than a bird? Of course he does. Of course he does. And when you realize that God cares for you, all of a sudden you have less worry less chaos. You're on a path towards peace, not panic. Towards rest, not restlessness. Towards wisdom and not towards worry. When you understand, God sees it all. God knows all your struggles. God knows what you're going through right now. That thought you just had, God knows it. God knows it. He sees it all. But not only does he see it all, secondly, God cares about you. Say this with me. God, cares about me. God cares about me. If you every day would say those two things, just those two, every morning, God sees me, God cares about me, over and over again, God sees me, God cares about me, My, how your priorities, your worries, your fears, when you're lonely, God cares for you. When you go through financial pressures and hardships, God cares for you. When you get a health scare, God cares for you. When you feel rejected, ostracized because of your faith, God cares for you. I want to encourage you to find shelter. Find shelter in the shadow of God's wings. Often thought of a mother hen out in a barnyard. He's got all these little chicks running around. And all of a sudden a storm comes up. And lightning strikes. And all those little chicks are going... Going crazy. Mommy, 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 in their words. Help us. And what does she do? She lifts up her wings. And where do the chicks go? And she covers them up. And they go, We're safe. We're safe. Psalms 36 7 shares how priceless is your unfailing love O God people take refuge in the shadow of his wings I want you to stop right there right now and focus on the shadow of his wings as Natalie sings this song Oh. God, may we take refuge in you. God, I don't know what's on the hearts of people gathered in this room today. Only you do. God, we know you see it. And God, we know you care. But God, it's up to us to run to the shelter of your wings. And take refuge there. And so God I pray. I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would strengthen. All of us in this room and especially those who need it most this day. God may they leave here today reassured. That you see them you care about them. And that they matter more to you than anything else. So much so, God, that you allowed your son to die in their place. We praise you. We thank you. And God, now help us to prioritize you in our life. To gain the wisdom that you would seek for us to have. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew six twenty eight 28-31, Matthew continues. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Jesus goes on to remind us that God sees us, God cares for us in the struggles of this world. And I truly believe when you come to understand that in your heart of hearts, that God sees you, that God cares for you, it's a complete game changer in life. When you truly believe that, When the world is around you is telling you what's best, no, that's not what's best, especially when God's word completely opposes it. Instead of listening to those voices, listen to the author of life's advice. Take the one who spoke life into existence advice. Take the one who created you in his own images of vice. Do not worry about what we shall eat, what we shall drink, what we shall wear, what we, you fill in the blank to what you're worried about today. And verse 32 says, for pagans run after these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. And I think it's a fair question to ask for those of us who claim to be Christ's followers. Are we really any different than the pagans of this world? And that simply means those who don't follow Let me give you a few questions to help you dictate where you are and evaluate where you are in this, in your priorities. Here, Here we go. Do you find yourself more focused on the furnishings or things within your house? Do you constantly think about how you could make more money? Or the next car you want to have? or the next smartphone you want to get? Are you consumed with the number of followers and favorites you have on your social media account? Is there a hobby or something that you enjoy that has become more of a priority than Christ's rightful place in your life? Has your home become more important than your neighbor's? It's difficult to love where you are if you're more concerned with what you have than what's around you. We've got to ask ourselves tough questions at times in order to be able to prioritize our lives where God wants us to seek first his kingdom and not our own. Well, God sees you, God cares for you, and then the third lesson, God knows what's best for you. Say this with me, God knows what's best for me. God knows what's best for me. That's why Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Those are our top priorities to keep us on the right path. And for many of you that have made a commitment to Christ and you've announced, hey, he's the master of my life. I've surrendered myself to him. That's great. But then we have to ask ourselves, does my behavior reflect that? Is that truly my top priority? Is it my top priority in life to prioritize to make disciples who make disciples like Jesus did? Is that what I wake up every day thinking? Who can I help to know Jesus today who can then help someone else to know Jesus? That's a priority for a believer. Does your life reflect the talents that you have being used to glorify Jesus and share him more than anything else in this world? If you look at your checkbook ledger or your account online, would it back up your belief that Jesus is number one in your life? Would your co-workers say that your conversations confirm your Christianity? All tough questions but they have to be asked of ourselves if we want to grow and prioritize him. And one of the best barometers that we have to what our priorities are is our time, our time, and the way we use our time. I've got two great volunteers coming up here. Hey, you're ahead of me, Zach. You're ahead of me. Hey, hang on. on. Listen, I'm in charge here. (laughs) All right. You'll give away what I'm doing. It's not a magic trick, but all right. Here we go. Come here. All right. All right. Zach, you take that hand. Walk that way. You come right here. We haven't rehearsed, as you can tell. All right, they got a piece of rope here. That rope <clears throat> is 168 inches long. 168 inches. Now, if you're smart, an engineer, as Tim is out there, he's already thought, okay, 168 inches. He's going to talk about 168 hours in a week, right, Tim? Yes, I knew you were ahead of me. 168 hours. In a week. Everyone has been given the same amount. No one gets less. No one gets more. But we have to determine. How we're going to use that 168 hours. Every single week. Well if you have a job. That means. Let's say seven, you 40-50 know, hours a week. I'll put you about. You stay there now. Oh, oh, sorry. Put you about here. Alright. How many of you go to sleep at night. Yeah, probably seven, eight hours if you're lucky. That's another 50-some hours. So out of the 168, we're already, what, up in here, all right? Now, other things that you do, you got to eat, right? Maybe exercise, have some hobbies. That probably takes it all the way out to about here, You have other responsibilities, all right? Part of mine's running to my grandkids' ball games and I'm doing it like, taking up like six hours a week or eight. You know, it takes me out to about here. So you get where I'm going with this. You got about that much time left. Now, you have to choose what am I gonna do with that amount of time, small amount of time, that I have left. Several months ago, and I've shared with you, I think a couple times when I've got real honest with you that I had a drug problem as a teenager, severe drug problem. My parents drug me to church Sunday morning, drug me to church Sunday night, and they drug me to church on Wednesday night. Yes, three hours a week as a teen, I was in church. Many times I did not want to be there, but how many of you were the same? bunch of you. Back then, in those times, we were found doing more spiritual things than we are today. In fact, surveys was poll a survey poll shows twenty five to thirty years ago, you would find Americans who would claim to be Christ followers were in church in some form three times a month. That was the national average. But something's happened over time. Something has weakened. So here's what I want to do. Zach, now you get the rest of your rope. That way, we're going to (laughs) add. I should have bought rope that doesn't slip. That'll work. (laughs) (laughs) All right, get that together, Joe. All right, we're going to add three more weeks. Three more weeks. So now we got a total of 672 weeks, which makes how many weeks? Huh? Hours. All right. Whew! 672, that's why Tim's here, hours, which makes how many weeks? Four weeks, basically. Four weeks of time. And we're going to look at that. What we've talked about is you take and you put all the ways we use our time. And if you were to look at those four weeks, here's the point. Yeah, see there? (laughs) All right, go ahead, Zach. Just don't pull my, go over top of those people's heads. That's good. You see that? That one and a half inch piece of black tape. Everybody see it? Yeah. That, according to Dave Sanders, is the amount of time we spend in worship in the United States of America. Isn't that crazy? That's unbelievable. And yet, I have people all the time say, Jeff, I want to grow my relationship with God. I want to get more connected to Jesus. How in the world can we expect to do that when that's the amount of time most Americans spend in worship? One point. Four hours a month. One point four hours a month. How can we expect to be like Christ if we're always giving him the leftovers? Yet, if I said to you after the service, "Is Jesus the Lord of your life?" All of you probably would say yes. And then I would ask, do your priorities reflect that? Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And that's why I brought this up is because I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to make worship a priority in your life. Number one, Doug and Sue decided to drive straight through from their trip yesterday. They got home at 1.10 in the morning last night to prioritize that they could be here in worship today. I want to encourage you to have that kind of priority. I want to encourage you to every day, wake up and invite Jesus into your day and get into his word, spend time with him, meditate with him and realize constantly that God sees you, God cares about you and God knows about everything in your life. Father, we thank you that you care for us so much. God, that you love us so much. That you allowed your son to die. God, what a priority that you had to make us number one, to allow your son to become last. Father, today may we find refuge in the shelter of your wings. May we find encouragement there, peace there, But God, also, may we realize with that comes a responsibility that we set you at the top of our priority list. Above all else, we seek first your kingdom, we seek first your righteousness, and all the other things will be added unto us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.